I'm not going to say that this one's going to be a bad podcast. I'm not going to diminish this episode. Yeah, my voice is gone, but that's fine. It's an eight one devil's win. That's the reason, you know, something's got to give. Uh, today, though, we have a white whale guest on the Puck Wave podcast. This has been, I don't know, like a year of me asking. Eh, we'll give it like we'll give it like six months. We'll, we'll I'll give you six months since the beginning of the season. It's it's been what feels like a lifetime of asking, and we did podcasts, and then I took a break, and then I came back, and then we picked. Well, you picked this date out, uh, like about a month ago, and I made sure I did everything in my power to make it work. Uh, it's none other than the how do I want to put it? The social media czar. My favorite Twitter account. Um, Brad Pack knows how I feel about him. He's a friend, but this is pound for pound the best NHL Twitter account. It is none other than Hockey Daily 365. What's going on, man? I appreciate you doing this finally. Of course. You know, obviously, I got a, I got a busy schedule uh, with everything going on within the hockey world. Had to wait for the first off day because apparently we're throwing off days just randomly on a Friday at the end of the season when everybody's like hype and excited. You know, like last night, there was a, there were big college hockey games. Obviously, you got to see the Devils. You're fired up about that. And then they said, hey, Friday, you know, obviously 8-1 eight, eight, Devils win. They knew you needed a day off just to, to rest and recharge. I appreciate that out of the NHL because that's the only reason they did this and just every game off for you specifically. Yeah, uh, we'll get into like you and why you're the best on the platform at the end. But uh, I didn't. I don't know how to describe this. I would say it's a playoff primer. Uh, we're gonna touch on all the teams that are still in the picture, like the wild card two in the West. We're not really gonna go too crazy on because like if you're wild card two in the West, you're not making it that far. Um. So I guess let's start at the absolute top, Boston Bruins. What are your thoughts on them? How far are they going? What's your read on them? It's bizarre because, like, honestly, you don't expect a team that has been so dominant. Like, they've lost 17 times through 78 games, 61 wins, going to break the win record almost 100%, it seems like. But, like, the playoffs are different, and it doesn't really, like, matter – once you get through the regular season, it's great to have all those records and everything. But like the East is going to be a gauntlet. We've been like so blessed with really competitive hockey this year, which is surprising. I think um, I would have assumed that some of the Metro teams, like obviously we'll, we'll get on a little, a little later, but like the Devils, I wouldn't have expected them to be this good or even Carolina. Carolina has been unbelievable with all these issues um all, all their injuries this year but like i would have expected by this point i thought pittsburgh and washington were pretty much done and then all all of a sudden like you throw pittsburgh in a round one matchup against boston in the first round Sidney crosby and them like i'm not saying they're gonna win i'm not saying they're even gonna win more than a game but it, it's not it's not a cakewalk in any a, any way shape or form and even for like whoever wins the metro it's not easy it's gonna be a grind regardless so if you were picking obviously boston's got to be the favorite to win it all probably but like they're, they're going to have to play Toronto or Tampa in the second round if they win the first round matchup against Pittsburgh or Florida. Like, you got to think at some point the run is going to end and they're going to start losing some games. I I just don't I don't see them winning the Stanley Cup. People ask me all the time, like, what's your prediction, blah, blah, blah. I, I don't think they make it out of the second round, honestly. 
they've been fortunate enough to rest some guys down the stretch. Um, but I think that this will just all catch up with them. And I know they're a veteran team and they all maintain the, oh, you know, like, it's not about regular season accolades and records and the President's Trophy. But, like, that doesn't matter because when you break the all-time win record, you're probably going to be gassed by the end of the first round, especially if it's one of these teams that, you know, we keep mentioning as, like, oh, we don't want to face them in the first round, which is nonsense. But, yeah, I don't I don't see them making it out of the second round, honestly. And, like, literally last year, this is pretty much the same team, is it not? Like, the Bruins team this year, obviously they've added, like, Krejci and uh, Pavel Zaka, who, you know, I'm sure you're you're a, a huge fan of seeing him semi-successful out there. But last year, the Bruins were not that good. Like, I, I understand coaching change and everything. Bruce Cassidy, Jim Montgomery, you know, most people were saying, like, what are you what are you doing firing Bruce Cassidy last year? But, like, it's it's the same team. And, and if people are forgetting, they lost in the first round last year. It was a Hurricanes team, a good Hurricanes team, lost in seven. But still, like, they're not – nobody's nobody's unbeatable. Come the playoff time, like, anybody can make a run. Although, like, the bottom of the wild card, probably not likely, as you mentioned before, but – I just have a hard time picking the favorite every year because it feels like it never happens. Obviously, last year was a little different. Like, Colorado was really good, and we knew Colorado was really good. Boston's really good, but I don't know. It just, it seems like if you were picking, the field is a much safer option than picking either of the favorites from the, the top uh, Eastern team in Boston or the top Western team in Vegas, in my opinion. And, like, Boston, I feel like what's always been what works for them is their insane depth. Like, their third line come playoff time is going to be Taylor Hall, Charlie Coyle, Tyler Bertuzzi. That's just absolutely insane. Um, but, you know, I – and this is like – I I've hated on Keith Yandel all year for when he said the Devils weren't going to make the playoffs. And his reason was just like, I don't see it. Like, I don't see a way that the Bruins win the Stanley Cup. I really do not. Well, especially because, like, you got to consider, like, one injury. Pasternak's hurt, season's over. Season's cashed. Yeah. Bergeron's hurt, season cashed. And you can say that with other teams, like, the Devils lose Jack Hughes, knock on wood, season's over. But, it, it, like, it, it's really hard to pick a favorite any year. I don't care how good they've been. And, honestly, the win record doesn't really do much for me. Like, it, it I understand it's, it's crazy. They're winning 80% of the games this year, 75% of the games this year. But, like, is a win record really that impressive if you don't end up winning the Stanley Cup? Because people are going to look back and oh, great regular season, guys. You, you lost in the second round to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like, what is exactly? It's look at the Golden State Warriors. What year was that? 2015? 73 and 9, but you know, you lost in the NBA Finals. So, what's the point? And people look back like, oh, great season, but yeah. LeBron, LeBron or whatever. Like, it's always kind of how that goes. I don't know. I, uh, I, I like and like the Bruins fan base too. Like they don't really deserve it. it. It's let's be let's be honest here. Like Boston sports fans, I don't know. I used to see those memes when like Tom Brady was the quarterback of the Patriots. Like oh, you know anybody that's been growing up the last fifteen years has seen a Boston championship. If fifteen years of your life you've either grown up with Tom Brady winning or the Bruins winning or the Red Sox winning, like they got to have some some really down years. Like, the Red Sox are bad now. We got to get over that. The Celtics, you know, they're still good, so it's fine. But at some point, the Bruins are going to have to just hit rock bottom. And it's it's like, it kind of makes me angry to see the Boston fans, like, you know, the, to preface this, we're, we're both East Coasters. Like, you know, 
in annoying sports markets, the New Jersey, New York sports market is as annoying as they come. But like Boston fans are just a little bit different and they deserve nothing, in my opinion. Uh, your poor mentions as soon as a few Bruins fans like catch wind of that statement. They understand. They totally get it, though. Like, come on, if you're you're so spoiled as a sports fan, considering like when's the last time you specifically saw your favorite sports team win a championship? I, I never have. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like people are normal. People are starved out here, especially like New York, New Jersey fans. If you're a fan of any team in this, like try in the tri-state area, you're sitting here like this. My sports fan of stinks. Obviously you love being a devil's fan. It's, it's been great this year, but like the Bruins, Bruins fans, if you're a Boston sports fan, you've seen a win every, almost every year of your life. Like you, there's gotta be some down years. It's just, it's what we all go through as sports fans. Come on. So Boston, obviously head and shoulders above the rest of the East to you. Who is the second best team in the Eastern Conference? It's tough. I would have originally, like, if you had asked me this question three weeks ago or a month ago, I would have said the Tampa Bay Lightning. I feel like they're that's still the team to go with, with all the all the history and everything. But uh, I don't know, like, it, it comes to a point where those guys, like anybody else, like, they've played so much hockey over the last couple of years. Like, there was a stat in last year's playoff that Vasilevsky had played, like, 60 more games than the second closest goaltender over the last five years, which is like a full extra season and just playoff games is crazy. Um, honestly, at this point, I don't think it's Carolina with all the injuries. I think Carolina is a very easy out for a team like the Devils, the Rangers, knock on wood. Obviously, we'll see what happens there. I don't anticipate them getting past the second round. I'd probably end up going with Toronto, I guess. It just feels like, uh, you know, no offense to the Devils or Devils fans listening or whatever. Uh, it, it just feels like Toronto, uh, this is the easiest Tampa Bay matchup they'll ever have probably in the playoffs. And then a Toronto-Boston playoff, the regular season doesn't matter at that point. It's going to be like the grittiest, craziest series of all time if it makes it to that, that point. So if I had to pick, it'd probably be Toronto just because I feel like the Metro is going to be a disaster. And it looks like they're going to probably add in Florida to the, the Metro 4 that end up making the playoffs. I'm assuming Florida ends up taking the top spot. They've been incredible the last couple of weeks. Like, I, I don't know. If you're a, as a Devils fan, you got to be sitting there like, okay, so first round matchup, we're either playing uh, Pittsburgh, Florida, the Islanders, or the Hurricane, or, or not the Hurricanes, uh, the Rangers. And you're sitting there like, oh, like we win. We're still going to have to play a really good team. Florida is super gritty, super talented. Uh, the Islanders are just annoying as hell to play. And, and Sorokin is going to make saves. And then the Penguins have Crosby. It's like, it's not an easy path for any of those teams. And you have to think like, Toronto's got to win at some point, right? Like they've had all the success. They spend so much. I don't know if I can curse. They spend so much uh, F word money on, on their entire four. It's annoying to see them have this, this little success. So uh, if I was picking, it'd be Toronto too. And then like New Jersey and the Rangers right there. And whoever ends up winning that series, assuming that happens would be right there. So Toronto, if they don't win the cup, it's a bust, right? Oh, like, 100%. Okay. Thousand, who cares about winning a playoff series at this point? Like, people have given the Leafs all this. Uh, the, the, the expectations are, oh, we just need we need you to win a playoff series. We need you to start making a little bit of a little bit of headway here. But at, at this point, like, they signed John Tavares so many years ago with the thought that, oh, we're going to be a Stanley Cup contender every single year. John Tavares has played five years with the Leafs now. Like, how nuts is that? And they've done nothing the entire time. Uh it's it's Stanley Cup. You have to make the Stanley Cup or it's a bust, in my opinion. And I think you'd probably agree. Yeah. I also said, though, in October that they weren't making it out of the first round. So, Which I, is realistic. Yeah. I mean, and to go back on your Tampa point, I 
cannot say there's a better or okay. I still maintain Vasilevsky is the best goalie in the NHL until they get unseated in the East. And for that same reason, I have to pick them to go to the Stanley Cup until somebody doesn't want them to be in the Stanley Cup final. Um, something just about, you know, Stanley Cup playoffs, they have a ton of guys who been there, done that, the kind of guys that you want. Do I agree with paying, like, you know, the entire farm on Tanner Janot? Absolutely not. Nobody does. I'm sure they regret it right now. But you know what you're going to get from him in the playoffs. You know what you're going to get from guys like Pat Maroon, Corey Perry. Decor is still incredible. Top six, still awesome. Still the best goalie in the league. So until they are out of the playoffs, they are, to me, like the second best team. And they, people forget, they haven't won their division in either the last three years. They've been yeah. on the road. They got to grind out these playoff series. They never end up having home ice. I mean, they they get home ice eventually, uh, but they don't ever have, ever have home ice in the first round, and they always manage to make it. Literally last year, they finished third. The year before, they finished third in the division, so they've got two th- third-place finishes in the division, and they won the Stanley Cup and then lost the Stanley Cup. The year before, they were second, won the Stanley Cup. And people are sleeping on How do you sleep on a team like that with a great coach, obviously, superstar players, they don't have the the luxury of you know Kucherov being on LTIR anymore, and the team is still they've still managed to find ways to keep their talent. Obviously, like you've seen, um, you've you've benefited greatly from Tampa's demise by stealing one of their more uh more you know playoff hungry players, one of the guys that always consistently performs, and they've lost other guys. But it, it's Tampa. How do you how do you even sit here? And, how can anybody sit here and say uh, you know this Tampa team? They look like they've fallen off because it's it's realistically it's the same. Same idea as the last couple of years. They're going to go out there. They're going to grind. And as you mentioned, you know, Vasilevsky, what are you going to do about him? And it's like, I, I, people just, it seems like they forget every year about them. And like you said, you know, they don't, uh, they don't win the division. They don't get home ice round one. It's literally the same exact thing that's going to happen, you know, uh, with going to Toronto, it took them to Game 7 last year, but they went into Toronto, got it done. And it's, like, up and down, like I said. I don't want to, like, harp on old points, but just such a good playoff experience roster. And it's, like, Braden Point almost has 50 goals. That's got to be the sneakiest. Like, we started counting down for McDavid at, like, 30. Yeah, it was also in, like, December when we started doing that. But it's like for Braden Point to have 48 and nobody say anything, I legitimately had no idea until I just looked up how many goals he had. It's like so much talent and, you know, they they are the team that you have to beat. They are like the standard. And and nobody has been able to match anything that they've tried to do. Like Colorado, we'll see what they do this year. Uh, but it took the Colorado a lot longer to get to the pinnacle of, you know, the top of the food chain in terms of the NHL, which Tampa should very well be up there uh, regardless. But like, yeah, I mean, I, I saw last night Nikita Kucherov is going to have 80 assists this year. So like I didn't, I didn't hear about any of that. Like nobody talks about, you don't hear anything about the lightning, which is crazy because three Stanley cup appearances in a row, two wins. Like where, where are we, where are we missing out on this? Is there something that's like lost in translation because of the Toronto media or uh, people not really caring about Florida hockey, but yeah, as you mentioned, you know, Braden point is scoring 50 goals, just, 
very quietly. And that's for me too. Like I see every single goal that's scored. Like I, I see everything. And even if you had told me, Hey, you know, Braden points going to hit 50 fairly easily this year, come close 50 very easily this year, lead the lightning and scoring when they've got Stam, Coast and Kucherov, I'd be like, ah, you know, maybe not. Um, but again, as you mentioned, how do you doubt this team? How do you, you can't, you got to stop anybody out there that is doubting the Tampa Bay lightning, even if they lose in the first round, they could very well come back next year and win the Stanley cup. They're going to be good for a long time. They've built a team. Um, obviously they've traded every draft pick that they've ever acquired, uh, to be able to build this team and it's worked out well. So until they lose, as you mentioned, like they're, they're it, they are, they're the top dog. Let's obviously we know what team I would want to talk about here, but I want to hear your thoughts on their biggest rival first. How do you feel about the New York Rangers going into the playoffs? Yeah, it's interesting because they have a lot of depth. They've done a really good job building the team together. And when like originally at the deadline, you would have been like, oh, like this is this is a superstar team. But they started off like such they were so trash the first couple of games, all the new guys. But it looks like everybody's kind of worked their way out. It is it's a little bit unfortunate for them, I'd say, because their games mean pretty much nothing. Like the Devils are either two or one. There's not really any question there unless they were to manage to blow the next three games, which is not going to happen. There's very little chance. And Carolina is already locked up one or two as well. So the Rangers, like I'd say playing meaningless hockey end of the year is probably a very bad sign for a team. The last couple of games of the year kind of wasted. Rest games are great and all, but you want your guys to be kind of humming there. I don't know. New Jersey provides them or or Carolina, whoever ends up uh, playing the Rangers. It'll be a really tough series. I think most Rangers fans probably want to see Carolina. If I'm not mistaken, I think New Jersey's beat the Rangers in 304 this year. The only loss was an overtime yeah. or a shootout loss, something like that. So that doesn't bode well for a, a Rangers team um, that doesn't really have the speed on the back end to stick up with the team that has like Jack Hughes, Jesper Bratt, and these guys fly up and down the ice. It's crazy to see what Jack Hughes has done uh, in the last couple of years since his rookie year. The rookie year was not an exciting, uh, it was exciting, but it wasn't as exciting as this. This is, this is like, you're seeing him break devil's franchise records and he's 12 years old. Like it's insane to see. Um, if you're a Rangers fan, you're rooting for the devils to win the Metro. No doubt about it. You're looking to face a, a Carolina team that is quite, beat up uh, a little bit depressing injury wise, like Patrick and Svechnikov, you came in the year thinking, Oh, these guys in the playoffs are going to be crazy. It's going to be a tough out. And then now like you're playing a team. Carolina is very easily the worst team of the Metro three. I'd say at this point in terms of like roster talent with all the injuries they've had. Uh, if I'm a Rangers fan, I don't want to see the devils in the first round. If I can help it, I do want to see Carolina in any scenario. doesn't matter. Uh, obviously they won't have home ice in the first place, but we saw the Rangers beat them last year, a, a good series, you know, Carolina's goaltending is what's going to end up holding them back. Probably Rangers have Igor, uh, the second or third best goalie in the league, depending on how you feel about that whole, um, him versus the, the crosstown rival, uh, goaltending situation. But if you're a Rangers fan, you've got to be praying the devils end up winning the division just so you can avoid them, uh, play a Carolina team that you know and and beat all the time and if you play the Devils it's going to go six or seven and you'll probably end up losing in six or seven I don't know if I've said this on here or I just say it like on the internet I can see the Rangers winning in four versus the Devils but I can't see the Devils winning in four versus the Rangers I, I feel like if that was to be a sweep it would be for the Rangers um, in that playoff matchup. It, it's 
it's like a it's not a lose lose, obviously, because it's like you know you got to see your favorite team in the playoffs, blah blah blah. It's like you lose the series, obviously, and then they hold that over your head, probably knowing Rangers fans for like the rest of their lives. Um, and then it's one of those things. It's like you win, but at what cost? Because if you're playing Tampa or Toronto the second round, depending on how that one goes, it's like every team who loses is doing teams that advance a favor by that i mean it's like you got to just wear down the team that you're playing no matter what matchup you try to get them tired so like they can't go past the next series that they get into um the rangers though i i feel like every night you watch them it's a different team and I mean, just because, like, Ranger fans are very temperamental, uh, it's tough sometimes getting a gauge if you don't actually watch them. But it seems like every game is a different team. They're either, oh, my God, this is the best roster ever assembled in the NHL, or it's, oh, my God, what are they doing? We have so much good talent. Why can't they score at all? So I don't know. You know what you're going to get from Igor. He will be dominant. There will be one game in the playoffs. He absolutely gets shelled. And, you know, the sky is falling or whatever, but it really won't be. Um, I A lot of talk about this being a playoff team, or obviously a playoff team, a Stanley Cup winning team. I, I, I don't know. I, I know that's a, a cop-out answer, but I want to see them actually in the playoffs because if it's based off of what the past two weeks have been, no, they're not winning the Stanley Cup. But the playoffs are a totally different beast, and that's why they got they have two guys that both have won Stanley Cups in the past, like, what, five years, six years? So I'll wait and see this Ranger team actually in the playoffs to give a better assessment. Yeah, it's weird, too, because, like, you would have anticipated that uh, a team, this is the least injured team in hockey. They've been the least injured team in hockey all year. And, I mean, obviously their record – shows that they've got 104 points it's a really really good year if you get 100 points in an nhl season especially when you're playing uh, a metro that has all these unbelievable teams like the devils who have been great this year in the hurricanes but like I, I don't know like you don't go out there and lose games to like the blues and the sabers down the stretch with meaningful points on the line uh and then you end your season with meaningless games it is it is a weird scenario for them obviously like in a rangers devil series the only thing that would really worry you more than anything would be the goaltending right like that would be the big the only thing that throws you off because it's re realistically the rangers and the devil's offensive forward court rangers probably have better names but the devils probably do more realistically just like jack hughes carries the offense every night you know you're going to get jack hughes funneling the puck to the net just needs somebody to bang it home you add timo meyer into the equation really can't argue that i think he scored his 40th goal last yeah, night last night yep so that's his first 40 goal campaign of his career um and it's been really good i think you would say you, you've been pretty happy with timo meyer he makes some mistakes here and there but that's how it happens with a brand new player um in the defense the devils and the rangers are pretty on par too i i think the devils are probably a little bit better defensively a little bit deeper defensively you know dougie hamilton's got 75 goals this year it's i didn't you wouldn't have anticipated that dougie hamilton doing this like I, it comes down to the goaltending goaltending wins championships in the nhl that's why we've seen toronto have so many issues over the last couple of years like I, I igor is up there igor is great obviously 
Uh, it, it depends on VTech. Would you be confident in a seven-game series with VTech starting all seven games? I mean, if it is the Rangers round one, let's say hypothetically, he has beaten them already three times this year. So it's less VTech and it's more limiting defensive mistakes because the Devils have made a lot of them at bad times with like 10 seconds left in periods. And you're, it's just demoralizing on the ice watching the game. Uh, so it's can the defense play? 60 minutes wire to wire and limit like the mental mistakes and the bad things that just leave him exposed. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see now that Schmid went down. I feel like VTech knows that he is the guy in the playoffs. Like Blackwood's not going to suddenly, you know, take over after two games and just run with it. Schmidt, at least there was a chance of that. But now that that threat is gone, uh, it's VTech's time, and yeah, it's it's more the defense I'm worried about than him, honestly. And so, do you think? Just a, a question, because this has been all the rage. Luke Hughes, like playoff games, are we confident? Are we okay with that? Because I I don't I don't have the the greatest scouting report in terms of uh what he does great. Uh, outside of his offensive ability, everybody knows he's going to be an insane, he's going to be Quinn Hughes-esque or better in, in the NHL from what it seems like offensively. But defense, everybody seems to hate him defensively. Like, do you just, do you lob him into a playoff series right away to get the offensive benefits? Or like, are you sitting there like, ah, you know, maybe we stick with a, you know, obviously ball has been really good, right? He would be the guy that comes out, maybe you would assume. I don't know who else they would take out of their, their rotation because like Brendan Smith doesn't really play, right? Yeah, Smith got taken out for ball about a month ago or so. I think Smith played last night for the first time in who knows how long, but that was because Siegenthaler was a healthy scratch. If if it was me, I would love to get Luke Hughes in a couple of games. I understand you can't give him the keys to the castle and say, all right, it's all yours because, you know, that's not how it is, especially like the – when you draft a guy number four, you know he's going to be eventually on your top two D pairings. That wouldn't be – I would not give him that, like, responsibility. And it's not a Luke Hughes thing. It's a – you just played a full college season. You have not played in the NHL yet. Like, that's – it's very much of that kind of thing. Um, I, I would get him out there uh, just at some point. You need to. If it doesn't work out, okay, you have guys that you know that you can count on and he can just soak in this, learn, but you got to get him out there for a little bit just to see like what, because if it doesn't work out, do it in like game two of round one. If it doesn't work out, worst case, you're down 2-0 and then you still got five games to win four. Um, But yeah, you got to get him out there at least one game, I feel like. Yeah, I agree. I've seen a lot of people say like, "Oh, maybe he should just sit, sit out and chill, like sit in the press box." Like, what? Well, what's the point of having him with the yeah. team? And like, Kevin Ball is great and all. I, I think he, you got him through the Taylor Hall trade. Is that, yeah, that makes sense? Like, obviously, you want to have something to show for that because that was a weird little little scenario there. But like, I, I don't see any way that you don't throw him out there. Just like a sheltered role, we saw Kill McCarr. I was actually at Kill McCarr's first game in the playoffs, like back in the day in Colorado, and like. 
th- it makes total sense to throw a guy out there because he's going to be fired up. He's going to be charged up. Kale McCarr went out and scored in his first game as like a 12-year-old. He was literally like 18 or 19 playing in the playoffs against grown-ass men. And like, it's the same idea. Although, you know, obviously Kale McCarr is the best defenseman in the league or one of the best defensemen in the league. You know, I'm not putting that on Luke Hughes yet, but it's the same idea. Why wouldn't you even just like to get Jack fired up a little bit more? Like he's sitting out there on the bench with his brother. Why wouldn't he go out there and, and put on a show? Like, I've seen a ton of double spins. Like, hey, we're going to save him, want to wait on a year. Why? What's just, you make the playoffs for the first time in how long? Like, just go out there, go all out. You've got your best player, your best prospect ready to go. Throw him in there. Have fun. Yeah. If, like, okay. If uh, Simon Nemich in Devils fans' eyes was ready after the World Juniors, Luke Hughes is definitely ready after college in the college tournament. So I don't want to hear this. He's not ready. It's if they want him to get time from a veteran or not is how I feel about it. And I mean, like, I understand, like, I'm sure Devils fans are sitting there like, we just don't want him to get hurt. We just want everything to be fine. We, we don't want any, any grave mistakes because I feel like people harp on him making turnovers on empty netters and stuff. Like I've seen a couple of people complain about his performances with the Team USA and everything, but like is is Kevin Ball really a superstar player part of your team in the future? No, you want to get your superstar players that are part of the team in the future into the lineup immediately. Kevin Ball probably end up being a third third pairing guy. He is massive. He's a gigantic human being. It's great to have that on your team, but like you could have the best prospect in hockey on your team for a seven game series or at least parts of a seven game series. There's literally no reason to ever even consider doing anything but playing him unless he's not ready. If if Fitz says, hey, like, we don't think that he's in the right shape or he's, like, whatever, understandable. But you got to explain that because you're not going to win. You're not going to win the Stanley Cup if he's not in the lineup, probably. Yeah. In a weird way, this progression of the season went from, hey, we're just happy to be in the conversation. It's not this year, blah, blah, blah. But now it's become... Next year, years after, it's not guaranteed. You know you will be here, right here, right now. Go for it. Like, you don't... Third in the league. Yeah. Obviously, they have high expectations of re-signing Timo Meyer. Like, you don't trade for him if you don't think you can win it this year. And he wouldn't go there if he doesn't think they can win a Stanley Cup. So... If if they think the way you do, you don't win a cup without Luke Hughes suiting up, then, you know, that's the bed you make and you got to lie in it. But you have to taper your expectations and make sure that, like, you do not bum yourself out if a 21-year-old or not even 21, 19, it's like a 19-year-old makes a mistake in a playoff game because, like, guess what? Hasn't played in, like, the NHL, so, like, he doesn't know. Obviously, different game, this and that. but. You know, that's that's why Tom Fitzgerald makes a lot more money than I do. That's why people respect his opinion, unlike mine. I'm just some guy with a mustache, and, uh, you know, he's the one making these calls, and I just have to, you know, blindly follow. Yeah, I mean, and the thing is, too, with the turnovers, like, you're going to have – Damon Severson is going to make a mistake at some point. He's been in the league for a long time. You know you're you're, you're guaranteed to have one Damon Severson blunder through a seven-game series. There's no doubt about it. It just – it's his it's his play style. He'll make six great plays, and then he'll put the puck in his own net and be like, oh, you know, this is how this goes. Just – I don't have – I don't have any – if people are saying that, you know, like, Luke Hughes isn't even close to ready – 
you're you're foolish. Obviously, defensively, it's very hard to play in the NHL, but you don't get that offensive ability. You just that doesn't. It's it's like some of the greatest defensive prospect ability in terms of an offensive player ever, like in the league, like Kale McCarr esque. Like you can't, like they would have had him in the lineup this year if they wanted, if they really could have. Like if he didn't want to go to school or whatever, like he probably would have started the year with the team if they could have. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like, how is somebody who's played college for two years not ready to play when you draft somebody out of like high school or from Europe and they play right away, you know? And it's I mean, like, Nevich too, it like, it's great and all, but he, like he played a semi-professional, like the Slovakian league is cool. Like it's, it's a, it's a high tier league, but hey, come on guys. Like Nemitz isn't anywhere close to Luke Hughes, probably in, in all reality in terms of just like ceiling. Um, and, and you definitely don't want to throw a guy that doesn't have that type of ceiling out there with no chance. But like I've seen, you know, I follow a lot of Devils fans just by virtue. Devils, Devils fans, great on on the Twitter sphere most of the time. And I, I see some of the worst takes in the history of hockey from Devils fans, and it's really just like, you know, I'm I'm proud of you. Obviously, your fan base is great. It's really grown to be bigger this year than I've ever seen before. Like last year, people were depressed by Game 32 of the year. This year, you're you're going to 82 and in the playoffs. But like the Devils fans, they they really they throw some great ones out there. They have some really hot takes. All right. One thing that I'm glad is finally coming to an end is this never ending Eastern Conference wild card scene. But okay, by the time I put this out, I'm sure it'll change 85 times the teams that are in. But who are getting the final two spots in the Eastern Conference? Um it's gonna. I, I I am gonna go out on a limb, even though they it looks unlikely, and say Pittsburgh makes it, uh, solely because they're playing just the the worst gauntlet of of moron teams, uh, the rest of the season. Uh, the Penguins get to end their season with the Columbus Blue Jackets and the Chicago Blackhawks in their final two games. So, uh, if if you have any type of pulse uh, as a hockey team, you should be able to beat them. As we saw, the Devils literally put up eight on the Blue Jackets last night. It didn't even. It wasn't even like they played great. They just. They just played hockey and everything ended up in the net. But uh, you got to think that the Penguins end up stealing one of those spots. I'd like to say that the Islanders are going to miss the playoffs, but realistically, like, I don't know. It just, it seems like, it seems like Florida has played really well to play themselves in, but can they play really, really well to like clinch them a spot? Cause realistically they had to win. They've won five straight and they're one point up on Pittsburgh with three games left. And they still got to play Toronto, still got to play Carolina, Washington, easy-ish game. Just playing the schedules, I would say that the Panthers are the odd man out, although I would be very afraid of them in a playoff series just by sheer fact of the roster talent they have. Like, I don't know if you pay attention, but Matthew Kachuk's like setting records for the Florida Panthers. He's like the greatest Florida Panther season ever. Obviously, it's the Florida Panthers, but still, you know, you got to give him some props. Which is like crazy after the season Huberto had last year. It's, that somebody topped that. The, the it, guy that replaced him topped that. It's so bizarre. It's a great storyline, but it's a horrible storyline if both of them miss the playoffs. And, like, there's a really significant chance that we see the Panthers out of the playoffs, and there's a really significant chance that we see the Flames out of the playoffs, which I think at the end of the year, after last year, you would have been thinking, like, there's no way, first off, there's no way Kachuk would have got better than last year. He had 105 points, and, and he's already passed what he did last year. Uh, I wouldn't have anticipated it. Huberto stinks, apparently, which is weird. Um, but yeah, back to that, I'd say, I'd say Pittsburgh and the Islanders, I'd say Pittsburgh probably ends up with the one spot. I don't anticipate them losing another game this year, which is 
you know, knock on wood, they'll end up losing all of the games because I said that. But I don't. It just feels like Florida didn't play themselves in a playoff spot until like the last. You can't play three weeks of the season and and expect to make the playoffs. It's just not how this works. Especially like the East is crazy. I would have anticipated like Buffalo being in it till the end of the year, and they didn't. They didn't stick around. I don't know what that was about. Um, unfortunately, Craig Anderson is is eighty three years old, so throwing him in net in a playoff race is probably not ideal. But realistically, I'd say Pittsburgh and the Islanders have the best chance. Pittsburgh because of the schedule, and the Islanders because of the goaltending. It seems like they're playing decent decent hockey here, although. Like like I said, Florida's won five straight. Uh, it's a cop out to say any of them can make it. Florida is my least favorite of the three um, at this point. So I'm going to go with Florida missing. And hopefully the thought would be here and just, just hold me on this. If the Islanders end up getting the second wild card spot and Islanders Boston playoff series would be terrific because of the goaltending. I think the Islanders can trap and, and force a, a, five or six game series, which out of Boston is, is great to see. And really like if you were as a devil's fan, if you won the division and end up having to play the penguins in the first round, you'd be sitting there like, Oh, it's just Sidney Crosby. I'm getting walking. Great. Like this is what we have to deal with. That's, that's a scary reality. Even if you would, the devil's going to win that series, probably if they were to uh, make it out of the Metro as the number one seed, but like, you don't want to see Crosby in the playoffs. Nobody wants to see Crosby in the playoffs. Yeah. That would, that would feel like a trap series for sure. Um, switching conferences now. And if you're a fan of a Western conference team, like I could have a ton of time for you guys. Like, sorry, get over it. I, I, I don't really mean, sorry. I don't know why I said that, but, uh, the West is just so weird. So we're going to have probably eight teams. No, sorry. Seven teams over a hundred points. Absolutely wild. Um, the central is so underrated like i feel like everyone's been talking about the pacific all season long but i think because i think i picked a wild to make it to the stanley cup preseason the central is just flown under the radar and similarly to the tampa bay lightning they have the defending stanley cup champions in them who it feels like all season long they haven't been firing on all cylinders but still will have over 100 points probably going to be the top overall seed from the central um out of those three teams Colorado, Dallas, Minnesota who do you like the most come playoff time I mean it's got to be Avs obviously uh you know what you're getting with the Avs Mika Rantanen 50 goal scorer Nathan McKinnon that too incredibly sneaky. it's the same idea as Braden Point honestly because all you hear about is Nathan McKinnon and Kale McCarr and which is great Kale McCarr is the best defense in the league as I've said Nathan McKinnon is a top five player in the in the league but Miko Randon is doing it it's not like a Leon Dreisaitl passenger three years ago type thing where everybody's like oh like this, this guy's not that great he's just playing with McDavid like Miko Randon is is an incredible player on his own and would be doing this on his own even if he didn't have Nathan McKinnon so it's crazy to think about and this is an Avs team that nobody really knows about Gabriel Landeskog. Nobody knows if he's ever going to play. Uh, he's been skating for the last couple weeks. So you get Landeskog back in the playoffs. Like I, the Avs would be the favorite to win the Stanley Cup, in my opinion, at that point, even with the Bruins existing in the East. But regardless, like, I don't know, the Wild have all those, the cap constraints with the Parise and Suter contracts, and they've somehow managed to stick in it all this year, which is they're playing 10 mil under everybody else's salary, which like, that in itself is super impressive, is it not? Like that's that's really crazy to think about that they bought out two of their franchise historic players, great guys. Uh, Zach Parise is still pretty good, I guess. Which Twenty is, goal scorer. I'm uh, sure the Minnesota Wild would have loved to have him, while, like on that third, second line. 
mind blowing to me to see him successful still because uh, it feels like he's been in the league forever. Uh, but yeah, just in general, like the Avs are head and shoulders above everybody else in the West, in my opinion, in terms of roster. Um, I haven't talked about Dallas. Like they've got, they're pretty, they're pretty good. Like Jamie Ben is good again. Tyler Sagan's good again. Jason Robertson's like a, a sneaky superstar that a lot of people don't know about. Ottinger and that, like it feels like they're in a decent spot too. Um, but realistically, like you're not going through the abs probably. It just, it just seems like it's hard to stop those teams. The, the abs just look a little bit, a little bit better than everybody else. Like last year in the playoffs, they just look a little bit better than everybody else. And they get Landis Gog back potentially. They, they got two weeks for him to rehab. He's been skating. Like, how do you beat them? How do you, and realistically an abs Bruins Stanley cup would be just unbelievable electric hockey if it does not going to get there probably, but still like you got to think the central props to Dallas, definitely props to Minnesota, but the abs are the best of the bunch, right? Yeah. Um, you know, they've just been the team that everybody in the West has been chasing for, I don't know if it's like five years now and they just re- finally got to the cup. They won the cup, but for me, I just want to say this about Dallas. If you don't have a team in the playoffs, if you just like playoff hockey, hitch your wagon to the Dallas Stars. I hate using this term, expression, whatever you want to call it. But, like, just based on vibes, like, Dallas Stars, that's where you want to be. They deserve a real Stanley Cup, like, atmosphere, not a COVID Cup when, you know, 40 people met outside the barn. It was like they deserve like downtown Dallas, like every night during the playoffs, rocking, absolutely rolling. Like last year, it was cool. Ottinger was a great story. But when Ottinger became a great story was game seven and that build up like that day to it. Now they have a real team. Like everybody probably hates me still bringing this up, but I wish Patrick Kane was a Dallas star right now. That would, oh my God, that would have just been like absolute perfection. They would have been taken so much more serious. But that is the team. If you don't have a team, watch Dallas, enjoy them. Colorado, obviously, like that's a lot of teams are going to model themselves after them now and five years from now. And obviously, for the right reason, they're going to be talked about in a lot of these, you know, representing the West in the Stanley cup playoffs, but there's something about the Minnesota wild. And I posted it like a week or so ago. I was like, if the Minnesota wild don't Minnesota wild, they're going to the Stanley cup, which everybody was like, that's like saying if the Leafs don't leaf, they'll win the Stanley cup, which is like, yes. Okay. That is true. They're not quite as cursed, but the like the wild, just watching them. It's, a throwback style and without Kaprizov, they've played a little bit differently. Certain players haven't been as good. Like you can tell Zuccarello misses Kaprizov immensely. Um, Goaltending's just been stellar. What's his face? Gustafson. He's like, what? 12, zero and one. His last 13 starts or something ridiculous. Matt Boldy allegedly is Jesus. Um, The defense, Klinberg, he hasn't even been as good as they thought, but was still better than what they had. So one of those three teams, I really feel like is going to be 
the Western Conference representative in the cup. Really? So so we're we're completely ignoring. I mean, I kind of I guess I agree with you to be honest because like it's not going to be like it's Edmonton's great. You got Connor David, like woohoo, great. But the team's team's better than them for the most part. Like the Kings are the Kings. They're still young, and Vegas they don't really excite me a whole lot. It just the weird thing with Minnesota is like. I don't know, like in the playoffs, if Gustafson ends up having struggles, are you putting Flurry in? Like, what's because realistically, Flurry is he's he's a little cash at this point. He's a little past his prime. Um, we saw it last night. They played against Pittsburgh. He looked really, really bad. Like, which is sad because you expect a return to Pittsburgh. You're thinking, oh, Flurry shot out, no doubt. I'm throwing three thousand dollars on it. I'm I'm going to every playoff game. Like I've made my money. Um, but it it was it was really bad last night. It looked like he was kind of sort of lost on anything that was like crossing the ice which is scary because that was what Flurry was always good at. Um, but if Gustafson like struggles, like do you put Flurry in? Because if you get any bad goaltending, like the, they're probably cash. The Wild are probably done with how good the teams are going to play are going to be. It it really depends. It's like what I was saying about VTech and Akira Schmid. I don't Gustafson cannot go in thinking that if I mess up one game, Flurry's coming in. And the Wild have to have a little bit of confidence in them to every goal is going to have one bad game in the playoffs, unless oh, you're sure. Vasilevsky. Um, but on the other side of that, if it does come down to that, there's no backup I would rather have in that situation than Marc-Andre Fleury. He's been on both sides of that coin. He's been, you know, dominant throughout the playoffs. One, you could say, was of top two reason why the Penguins won one of those cups. And then like the next year was benched and they still won the Stanley cup or I don't, maybe I messed up that timeline, but either way they both, he won a cup as a goalie starting and as a backup. And then he's gone back to one and he's been in the playoffs all the time. So I'm not that worried about them goalie wise. What if they play like the Avs in the first round? Then you're sitting there like, ah, ah, shit. This is here we go again. It's 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 not good. This is it, not ideal. It, it really depends how bad it is, though. If it's like six one the first two nights in Colorado, like okay, if you're letting up six back to back nights, that's not just like it's because it's the Avalanche. That's just because like you're not seeing something. Well, and that's like, but that's like potential. There's like serious potential about to happen with how the Avs score and how. Like, realistically, the Wild, they're relying on a bunch of 12-year-olds to play defense in a lot of scenarios. Obviously, I think Klingberg was great, but, like, Kalen Addison is, is very young and very confused. They have Dumba and Spurgeon. It's great and all, but I, I, they they are a team that really just doesn't really do it for me. I don't know why. Like, obviously, Kaprizov's great, and Matt Boldy is a 30-goal scorer at 21, which shouldn't happen in the NHL. It's the NHL, but... Something about them just really like they they feel like a shootout team to me. Like they they don't feel like a team that goes out there and wins like they win their games in regulation. Like they gotta grind them out. And obviously, everybody knows about the Zuccarello and and Freddie Gaudreau shootout success because they score every time they go up. Uh, it just feels like more of a, a skill team and less of a like we're gonna put together a great sixty minute performance every night and win every game. We're gonna beat the Stars, the Avs. Like I don't know what it is, and I, the Stars kind of do this for me too. They have Robertson, Wild have a Kaprizov. They just feel like like underwhelming. This is the West in general, maybe for, for me, because the East has been so fun to watch this year. But like Western Western hockey has been a real drag, even with these great teams, like seven hundred point teams, and none of them feel like hundred point teams. 
What about the Pacific teams? The Kraken Wild or Kraken uh, Knights, Kings, Oilers. What one of those four do you like the most? It's not the Kraken, unfortunately. I thought it was going to be more fun with them this year. They've really kind of sputtered a little bit as the season goes on. It feels like uh, earlier in the year when they started off really well, it was like, okay, so they've added all this talent. They've done really well. Uh, injuries have kind of stopped them up. And I don't think it's the Kings, although soon with the Kings, it feels like them adding a goaltender and getting rid of John Quick is probably really helpful because Jonathan Quick just flails around like like he's lost all it's really depressing for anybody that like you, you've seen Jonathan quick dominate your team. Jonathan quick cannot do anything like that anymore. Jonathan quick is so lost. It's crazy. And he could be playing significant games for Vegas in the playoffs, which is a scary reality. Um, it maybe Edmonton is the best of the bunch because of McDavid and, and dry all in them. Uh, they've been better defensively. They haven't lost a game in the last 10. Uh, it looks like they're kind of sort of trying to storm and, and steal the Pacific which would be a really big for them because it looked like at one point they were fighting for a third spot in the division or a wild card spot. But like, it's hard to bet against a Connor McDavid team, even though like there's definitely potential for Connor McDavid to never win a Stanley cup. Like there's certainly a real scenario where that never happens. And I don't think it's going to be this year, but if you're going to pick a team in the Pacific, you're picking a team with the best players and the least injuries or at least important injuries. And it feels like Edmonton's pretty healthy right now. Got McDavid, got Dreisaitl. Um, defensively, they're they're okay. Goaltending's weird. I don't know. Nobody likes Jack Campbell. Everybody hates Jack Campbell. It's really sad because Jack Campbell's a great guy, apparently a very, very nice human being. But Oilers fans, whenever they have a goalie, whenever they pay for a goalie, it just it's depressing. It's sad. They hate everybody. Oilers fans are the biggest doomsday franchise uh, in terms of fans in the league and like Stuart Skinner is great, but they all seem really flawed. The Pacific's really sad. And I would have anticipated more out of a team like the Edmonton Oilers throughout the year. Like these stretches don't really do anything for me. I never, I never got like anybody gets hyped about somebody going playing well for three weeks. Like it doesn't, it doesn't mean much to me because there's a the four month period before where you were a 500 hockey team. Like you're not, it's not good. It's not exciting. I remember saying a while ago, I can't imagine living in a world where Stuart Skinner is a Stanley Cup winning goalie. And that was months ago, and I still maintain that. I'm not saying that he's bad or anything. I just, I don't see him winning a Stanley Cup. I, I, I can't. I at can't least at this that. point, like he could get better. But at this point, it just like, it doesn't seem like he's anywhere close to being that guy. And it's like, you know, after last year, and the the whole disaster that was Edmonton Edmonton's goalie situation in the playoffs, and McDavid needing to score like four goals a game for three rounds, it seemed like, and that still wasn't enough. It might not it he may not have to score as many now, but goaltending is still that enormous question mark, which in the playoffs is the most important thing. I am, however. Really happy that Evander Kane's gonna be back in the playoffs. His like trials and tribulations, it was like talent was undeniable for the longest time, and then like the off the ice stuff, and then like his just there was like a a stock market graph on like how NHL, uh, the internet of the NHL like sees him. It's just very interesting. It was like very funny to hate on him for a long time. And then it was like, you kind of felt bad for him. And now it's just like, he just literally is like 
play hockey, don't say anything, and, like, don't go out. He's like, okay, I, I can do that. Yeah, that's how most players are. They're like, we don't have any presence outside of on the ice. And a, a lot of people complain about that. For Vander Kane, it's great. That's the perfect spot for yeah. him to be in. Just, like, shut up and go out there and, and show your skill. Because he's an incredible hockey player. Like, that cut from, I think it was Pat Maroon's skate in no- November, December, early before the, the new year, was really scary. And it, I'm not the biggest Evander Kane fan. I'm not going to lie, but I felt genuinely bad for a guy like that who's looking for to make – there's a redemption arc there. There's an angle that you want to root for, a guy like that who has you know, obviously like gambling issues, family issues, everything under the sun. Like just let him go out there, play hockey, have some fun, and be good at the sport because I'm, I'm very positive in these scenarios. A lot of people, hockey community – Evander Kane is enemy number one, two, or three for for many people. And realistically, like I get it, it's great. You can hate all these players, but it, you're kind of wasting your energy by being such a, a hateful human being. I don't care if he sucks as a person, because I'm sure there's a lot of hockey players that suck as people. We've seen it all the time with um everything that goes on in the NHL. It feels like there's so much negative press. I like just just give Evander Kane a, a tiny break. Let him go play hockey. If he does well, like. Let just don't don't yell at him on Twitter. Don't make him feel bad. Like he's he's got enough of the feel bad. The last decade of his hockey career has been about feeling bad. Just like I agree with you. Let the man let the man live for a second. Let him play hockey. The fake vaccine card was just like very funny though. It's so stupid. It's really dumb. It's just a dumb thing to do. Like of of all the NHL players when that came out, it was like, yeah, that that actually <laughs> totally adds up. Like I I yeah. Yeah, you know, sometimes people uh you would expect it, obviously. The players that have these these random issues or have massive egos, which Evander Kane, both very obvious there. But like now, it's like all you see out of Evander Kane is him having Connor McDavid tell him that he's got a he's got a boy, he's having a boy, or um, like he's he seems like he's trying to turn around whoever whoever's doing his PR in Edmonton. Hey, Flaps, you real you're really killing it. You've done a great job, kind of kind of getting him off uh, off the the. The Schneid, everybody, everybody, you know, just give him a break. Give give Vander Kane a break. That's my that's my only call for this podcast. Give him a break. And he's like a point per game player in the sixty, however many games he's played since going to Edmonton, so. yeah, which is bizarre. Like you wouldn't have you wouldn't have said anything else earlier in his career because he was so highly touted. He was drafted in the top five back in the day. Obviously, a Thrasher, you know, what was weird. Um, but after the last couple of years, especially in San Jose, you, you telling me, you saying, oh, this guy's going to be like a 70, 75 point player through a full season. I've been like, yeah, probably not at this point. Like, it seems like a cash, but I guess playing with them, like anybody does it like Ryan Nugent-Hawkins has a hundred points this year. How did, how did we get here? How did that happen? It's, it's, it's Ryan Nugent-Hawkins. Like, and then the couple of wild card teams, we know it'll be the Kraken. That's one. And you said how you thought about them. Who's going to be the second Western Conference wildcard team? Is it going to be like Minnipeg? Which is, it's sad, but probably. Um, Calgary doesn't want to make the playoffs, it feels like, with how they play. And Nashville has this really weird momentum about them at the end of the year. But again, I've said it three times already. Like playing the last couple weeks of the season to make the playoffs doesn't mean anything to me. Like I don't really care about that. I'd like you to have a, a better stretch throughout the year, have some winning streaks like. That you know, win six or seven games, lose a couple, it's fine and all. But they are they are a very mediocre hockey team. Calgary has the most 
games where they outshoot somebody by 20 and then lose in NHL history or outshoot by 10 and lose in NHL, which is crazy. How do that, how do you even have that stat? But Flames fans are very quick to tell you, oh, we've had the worst, the most unlucky year. Give us a chance. But in reality, like, is it, is Winnipeg exciting? Is that a team that you want to go out to? Like, oh. it, it's, it's Hellebuck and Kyle Connor and Nikolai Ehlers. They're great. It's been the same team forever and they haven't done anything forever. Calgary, they made those trades and they're so bad compared to where they were last year. Like, do you want to see a team that has struggled to even grind throughout with all that talent? You obviously, the turnaround has been crazy. No Gaudreau, no Kachuk. Um, weird for sure. But and Nashville is like, it's like Winnipeg and Calgary put together. It's like, you've got the talent. They've missed some players for a lot of the year. Philip Forsberg was hurt. So that, that hurts. But like, is any are any of them even going to come close to beating Vegas or Edmonton? And and it's it's going to be a quick series. Whoever's going out there, like you said earlier, they're just going out there to bang bodies. They're going to play Western Conference hockey. That's going to be physical. Whoever makes it, you know, there's no chance. If there's any team that has no chance to win the Stanley Cup, it's whoever comes out of the second wild card spot in the Western Conference. Like it doesn't matter to me. It shouldn't matter to anybody. If you're a fan of the Winnipeg Jets, like I'm sorry. Like this, it's just the trials and tribulations you're dealing with living in Winnipeg and watching that hockey team, it's just, it's such a depressing world for you. Is it not like how, how can, can anything get worse? I, I hate the Winnipeg Jets. Their fans are somehow more, I don't know, more annoying than the team is. The team's not good. The team's not exciting. The fan base sucks. They think way too highly of themselves. It's like, do you guys forgot that you got your team taken away once? And I hope the NHL does it again. So it's the same with the Flames, too, to be honest. A similar idea. I think it's just the Canadian markets. Like these teams are not exciting and their fan bases are not fun. They're not nice. They don't, they don't have, they don't enjoy the hockey that's being played. They just sit there and scream and yell and, and are depressed, which is fine. Like, great. If your team is bad, you should be mad about it on social media. But like every night, I see somebody like, they get vulgar. The Canadian fans get, they get like a step over the line in terms of like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to say it. Obviously I've seen some, we've seen death threats throughout the year uh, from certain Canadian fan bases. I see a lot of tweets Um, that that's, you gotta, you gotta take a step back if that's where you're going with things. If, if you, you're probably a 13 year old or whatever, getting angry, but it just, it's hockey, dude, your team stinks. Just like go watch, go watch, the the CFL or what I that's the other other league that like Canadian football is great you can watch be, be a Toronto Blue Jays fan like every other Canadian just watch baseball do something else to, to buy your time instead of being um wishing death on your your NHL head coach that's my that's my one bit of advice for for Canadian hockey teams that are unsuccessful all right so when it's all said and done who's coming out of the east who's coming out of the west um, if you wanted a real Stanley Cup prediction out of me, it, it'd probably end up being something like Toronto, Colorado. Um, I it's not gonna happen because we know how this works. This is this is how this works. Um, I, I would I think just by virtue of the pressure, there's more pressure on Toronto than anybody else in the league by far to finally win something. Uh the fan base is massive and they're sad. Uh the team is good for once, like really good, like much better than the other team they're gonna be playing. 10 points up on them, although it's Tampa Bay. So really going to be tough scenes there. Uh, I don't 
whoever wins out of the East is going to go through an absolute dogfight and lose to the Colorado Avalanche probably. It just feels like the Avs will have an easier way to make it to the Cup. They'll have less struggle along their way, as we've seen the last couple of years. The Western team, whoever's making it, doesn't necessarily have that type of grind in them. They don't have to go out there and, and play seven-game series. Whereas if, let's say the Devils ended up making a run in the Conference Finals, before making the Conference Finals, they would have had played at least 12 games. We're talking six-game series in the first and second round, no doubt about it. Whereas the Avalanche, if you're putting the Avalanche up against, say, the Seattle Kraken, they could sweep them. Like, I wouldn't be shocked at all if that happened because just that much better of a hockey team, experienced playoff team, whereas the Devils, they win the division. You're not going out there and sweeping Florida or the Islanders or the Penguins, whoever makes it there. It's going to be it's going to be a grind amount of hockey series just just solely because of the fact that these teams are much better than what what's there. Um, so I, if I was picking a winner, I'd, I'd going to pick the Avs. It's a boring pick, but it is what it is. They're playing really good hockey. Um, I don't I don't anticipate you know, seeing Toronto making the cup. But if I had to pick a team out of the East that felt like they had more pressure than anybody else, it's them. I really boxed myself into these takes and stuff. And then I'm just like obscenely loyal to things that I say. Uh, so for that reason, I'm going to Tampa Bay Lightning versus the Minnesota Wild. I think Tampa Bay is going to get another one. Everybody's going to bitch and moan about it. But like, you know. If you don't like it, trade five picks for Tanner Janot, you know? I mean, if it works, you can't sit there. Nobody can say anything. If, if Lightning win the Cup this year, Tanner Janot, create, Tanner Janot trade is an A in anybody's book, regardless. Even ridiculous, like, even if he scores two points through the entire run, how do you even how do you even argue with the, the success that they've had? And it's but like, the Wild. Just a question for you the, with the Wild here. Like, why the Wild? Why did you box yourself in with the Wild? Because I understand boxing yourself in with Tampa. It makes total sense. Like, you know, the Lightning. But why the Wild? Why did you, you do that? I I just said it before the season. Um, <laughs> I was really high on them last year, too. And then they Minnesota Wilded themselves. Um, I I Something about them gives me like a we'll find a way to win three playoff series make it here luck is finally on our side that's just like what i get from them i don't know i feel like they can score four goals every game of the playoffs if they absolutely need to so as long as the defense holds up i think they have a good chance of you know using that recipe and getting some success out of it I think it's fair. You know, I'm not – if you had told me you would box yourself into saying, like, the, the Seattle Kraken and the Winnipeg Jets are going to make the Stanley Cup, you're like, ah, you're, you're an idiot. But oh, yeah. at least with at least with the Wild, you have some sort of semblance of, like, okay, the superstar, you know, great goaltending, been really, really good this year. It's just a stupid scenario from earlier. Like, even the, they have depth forwards scoring. Like, I like Ryan Hartman. Ryan Hartman goes out there and plays hard. Freddie Goudreau plays hard. Like, this is it's a good team. I'm not necessarily saying they're going to win anything because again, they're 10 mil down on the cap from everybody else. Which is, if they were to make the Stanley Cup, let me tell you, like, extend everybody in that front office, give them 10, everybody gets 10 years, even the even the secretary, make sure that the secretary is getting a 10 year contract because that, that's ridiculous. It doesn't happen. You don't do it like that. Everybody stacks up to the cap every year. All the playoff teams stack up to the cap every year. They have 10 mil off which is like a superstar player they could have added. Like imagine a wild with a, like they a would have been able to keep Fiala. Yeah. Or a Fiala. Like they would be, they would win the central very easily. The abs have not been that good this year. The stars are not, they have not been that good this year. And then 
they might have won the West with Fiala realistically. Like that's that's crazy to think about how successful they've been with Kaprizov out all this time. Like maybe maybe you're talking me into the wild a little. Maybe I'm getting excited about the wild for them to lose in the first round, obviously. But that's yeah, just, that is what it is. They'll be done in like six. <laughs> It'll be great. Um. So I mean, if if nobody does, I don't know what their problem is. But tell them about the Twitter page. Let everybody know what you got going on. And like I said, if like you don't know already, like, I, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know how you consume hockey on Twitter if you don't follow you. Yeah, it, it's interesting because there's nobody else that really does what I do. Like, obviously, you have team accounts that post goals and post highlights and stuff. I'm doing every single team, uh, even the bad ones. I, I didn't post the Columbus goal last night. I retweeted it because that's beyond. Like it, was, it was his first goal. And the goal was bad. Nobody cares. The Devils were were absolutely dominating by that point anyway. But yeah, uh, if you want to follow the NHL, there's no better way to follow the NHL. I sit there every night and grind seven hours nonstop, pretty much. There's three minute breaks in there for me to eat or walk around, get my legs going. But uh, with the way the hockey hockey schedule works, generally speaking, there's not a whole lot of breaks. So if you want to be totally immersed in the NHL, it's the best way to do it. Playoff time will be easy too, because there's less games. So it's less spam on your timeline. Uh, last night, I, I'm pretty sure I posted over a hundred different videos um, which is disgusting to think about over like a six six hour span that I, I clipped and posted a hundred different videos with a hundred different uh, wh- whatever was going on in the night. But if you are looking to follow Hockey Daily three six five, I do a little bit of stuff on TikTok. NHL Daily three six five couldn't get the hockey. Somebody took it from me already. Really disgusting. Trying to work that out. Been been sending emails to TikTok. Nobody responds. Um, I'm not a big shot for them in the TikTok eyes. But uh, Hockey Daily three six five on Twitter. Uh, we're over 15k now which is crazy at the beginning of the year we started at 10k somewhere around there so you know 50 percent growth over the year uh we do really well uh if you ever need anything feel free to just send me a dm on twitter and i post everything i'll, I'll get what you want so if you're listening and, and you want to see something specific just think about me uh, if you want to go back to old goals the one thing that i would say in terms of resources last night i don't know if you saw but yesterday was the five-year anniversary i believe of the greatest goal in devil's history are you are you aware of this I don't remember the fifth oh, four goal years. I scored last four night. years. Okay, fair. Four years ago, yesterday, Travis Ajak won a game against Florida in overtime that ended up getting Jack Hughes on the Devils. Just by by you know obviously by virtue of the 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 draft pick scenario and all that. Um, there, there was a Travis Ajak overtime winner, April 7, twenty nineteen, that uh ended up a lot of Devils fans were tweeting about yesterday. So if you want to go back and look for a, an old goal that you remember in the past, the last five years, it's on the account. Look up from Hockey Daily 365 on Twitter. Bang, easy. So yeah, that, that's the plug that I've got for you. Obviously, you don't have to follow me. I don't really care what you do if you follow me or not. But just as long as you know that I'm, I'm, I, I exist. We exist. Uh, that's all I'm looking for. And like you said, even if they don't follow you, there's a good chance that if you see a hockey goal, and it's not tweeted like from you. When you look underneath, it will say from Hockey Daily three sixty five. It's so. crazy to see every night. You can look and see on like the Twitter analytics. Like sometimes there's hundreds of people that use a specific clip. Like they, they like, and it's it's wild to see because back in the day nobody used anything that I posted. The last couple of years, even like two years ago, like spitting chicklets and them had no idea that I exist. And now every night they're using a clip from my account. So it's like, it, it's interesting. It's really a, it's a process here. And then there's people like a friend of ours, Johnny Lazarus, who thinks he can, you know, just tweet out Rangers highlights himself, like before you even get them, or it's like obscure stuff. And then it's just like, come on, man, like leave something for the rest of us, you know, like you can't be like the man at everything. 
I mean, Johnny Lazarus, I'll give him respect. He's he's got he's got something good going on. I I he's killing it. He let me tell you, sometimes they just he just says ridiculous things. I see it's Twitter in general. So Twitter people in general say ridiculous things. He's just he's overly passionate to the point where it just sometimes you get some spew mode. It's like Brat Pack. Brat Pack, it's all spew mode all the time. Sometimes you get a, you get a little Brat Pack out of, out of Jay Lazzy sometimes. It's interesting. We'll take it, though. You got to have some fun sometimes, right? You, for, like, people that have big followings, but, like, you know what team they like, you need to be the right amount of, like, obscure, but, like, reasonable, which is why, like, it works great for, like, me on Instagram. It's, like, a lot of people know I like the Devils, but, like, I shit on everybody. So, you know, you can't really complain one way or the other. Got to be realistic, too. You can't not everything's going to be rainbows and sunshine with the Devils or anybody in general. Oh, exactly. Like when Matt Boldy scored that shootout goal, I posted that and everybody was like, what are you doing? It's like I sold my soul to like the Instagram devil for clicks and likes like a long time ago. Then right after I posted that it's always sunny. I mean, like I'm playing both sides. So I always come out on top, which is exactly how it was. I'm a Devils fan, but I also like when I see people like my Instagram video. So the little boost of serotonin there when you get a like or something, let me tell you, nothing, nothing better. When I see something pop off on, on Twitter, just like a little little smile pops up on my face. So there's a little grin always. So um the clout, it's a dangerous thing. Let me tell you, the cloud is cloud is a scary, scary motivator. Yeah, I mean, I can't thank you enough for doing this. I can't thank you for like me and you have talked about hockey not hockey life i bought you a beer yeah people forget that i supported the alcoholism for for hockey which is i i just it's bad people forget when i said how can i thank you and you said nobody will ever know about this and then you just doxed yourself that's different though is this an hour and 20 into talking like at this point if somebody's listening at this point and hearing that like you deserve to know that i that i did that like you've you've earned that right I'll come back on after the playoffs, guaranteed 100%. When I have free time, I'll come back on and we'll discuss how bad we were in this podcast. Um, but yeah, thank you for everything. I know I've told you this on Twitter, but it's good, you know, what, like somewhat in person getting to tell you it. Um, you got to follow him, Hockey Daily 365. If you've basically seen any clip I've posted on Instagram, <clears throat> it's been directly like ripped off through him. Um, I use his tweets occasionally. He's the best in the game. Thank you so much for doing this, man. Absolutely. Anytime. And if you are still here, uh, follow us on Instagram. It's Puckwave. Twitter, same one. Get to it. Johnny Goudreau's a whore who left last night's game because he was sick. Can't stand that guy. Yeah, we're still booing him. We're going to boo him for the rest of our lives. Um, Be back sometime. I don't know. This show stinks. Later.